Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Oh, that's sweet. Um, that everything that everyone said about all the moms and everything, I just thought, oh my goodness, we could just all go home now and feel so loved and ministered to. That was just really encouraging and go good. Okay, I kissed my son on the cheek, and he kissed me, and I thought that was sweet. And it made me think of something that's totally not in my notes, and I don't know that you know. So I ought to tell you. Um, so in our family, I grew up with, we, we treasured, like, kissing on the lips was something we saved for our husband. And so... My mom, my dad, my aunts, my uncles. I know some families have a, a they, they have it totally different, and and you know you just kiss your kids on the lips all the time. Well, I just thought it was kind of cool that that my folks made a, a special deal about um, keeping your lips as a special place to plant a kiss on your future spouse, and. Um, and so that's the way I raised my kids, and we had an aunt who thought otherwise. And I remember when she'd come over um, to visit, and she'd grab my little kids, and, and my, my sons especially, you know, and she'd try to kiss them on the lips, and they'd go, <laughs> and, and they'd back away. And, um, but to this day, sometimes when Dwayne plants a kiss on my lips, I just think, oh. That's just so special. And so I just encourage, if you're a new mom, new parents, new something, that, that maybe you were raised with just smattering kisses every which way, you just might think about that being a tradition in your family of, hey, let's just, let's just keep this as a holy for the future play. I think it makes it more special later. Just, just an idea. Just an idea. Okay, Dwayne is like, where is she getting off on and why? Oh, man. I, I, man, I make him sweat a lot. You wonder why he sweats so much when he's up here. It's all my fault, probably. <laughs> okay, I want you to help me today. Um, so shout out. I'm going to ask you to shout out. And I wasn't sure how to do this, if we do it one section at a time or, or how, but, but shout out a, a word that comes to your mind to describe motherhood. Like, I'm thinking it's challenging, it's scary, it's... Okay, so one, two, three. What's motherhood? Wow. Okay, now let's go to this section. What's one that was... Somebody can say louder than the others. It's a lot of work. Heartbreaking. Rewarding, transforming. Overwhelming. That's on my list. It's a gift. It's difficult. Nurturing. These are great. These are, but just stop and think about some of these um, fun, rewarding. I think it's interesting. It's challenging, educational. How many agree it, it can be draining? Yeah. 
Maybe some of you said that. And it's definitely life-changing because once you're a mother, you can never not be. It, it doesn't really reverse. Um, it's eternal. Um, being mother is definitely um, challenging, difficult, tiring, puzzling, exhausting, rewarding, fun, satisfying, and um, fulfilling, isn't it? It can be fulfilling. But it's not just a nine-to-five job. It's a commitment. It's a love commitment to cherish, and it's an investment of time, a lot of time, a lot, a lot of time, (laughs) a lot of time, and energy, and strength, and, you know, motherhood is just, is a commitment to be on call. At, and I remember the first baby we had, and when, when um, we had Joshua, we lived in Mexico, and we made, purposely made plans to have my mom be there for my first baby, and um, when, like, he was due the, like, the 9th of March, and in January, the doctor uh, visit, the doctor checked, like, oh, the baby could fall out today, and, and he's, like, if I... I'm not going to tell you what to do, but if I'd call my mother-in-law and have her come sooner. And so instead of really listening to what we were praying, that God would keep that baby there until it had fully cooked <laughs> and was ready to be born, uh, we, got, uh, listen, we listened and called my mom and asked her to come down early. And it's funny because that doctor had delivered tons of babies. And my mom had five kids. And she gets off the airplane, and she looked at me, because she did change her ticket to come early. And she looked at me, she says, you're not ready to have that baby. And I'm like, I feel big. I feel like I'm going to pop. And, and she's like, ah, you're not ready. But So um, sure enough, she came. She was going to have two weeks before and two weeks after. So we had a whole month together of planning and, and fun together. And um, she had to leave two days before the baby was born to fly back home. And, you know, she knew, she just knew there's just something moms just know a lot that even doctors can't figure out, you know, how, how they know that. And, um, and it was, so I went into this being a mother, just like, I felt cut off. There was, we didn't have a telephone. We didn't have, uh, internet and we couldn't uh, zoom uh, with my mom or anybody else. So it was an unknown, like Dwayne and I, okay, we're not going to, we got to figure this all out together. And we didn't even have Google. I mean, you know, we just like, you had to just uh, figure this out. And, and um, so my mom really prepped Dwayne. It's like, okay, now you have got to step up and be there. She's going to need you. She's going to need time to recover and to rest. And, and she's going to need help. And I don't know exactly what all she said to him. But when she left and we had this baby, and um, uh, basically he was born in the evening and we came home the next morning. So we're just like brand new. The baby's not even 24 hours and we're so excited. And he's got this little tiny bundle and he just went out and started carrying him around the neighborhood. Look what I got. Look what I got. And he wasn't even, he wasn't even 24 hours old. And, um, we're just so proud and so excited. And, 
And uh, then he pretty much kept me locked in the upstairs bedroom. Like, I'm going to take care of you. You just stay here. I'm going to take care of you. And um, if anybody knows my husband, like I do, well, he's not a chef. That's not his strong point, is cooking. It's not his strong point. Um, so, but, but he does love to eat. And so he, he, would, um, he would make hamburgers. I had a lot of hamburger patties. He, he, he figured out how to fry hamburgers and heat up some corn. I don't, and he just would bring up food and he fed me. And I thought, wow, this is, this is really amazing. And um, that's the only time you fixed meals, honey, our whole married life. So he fed me. And then, and then um, when he left one day, I finally snuck out of my room and I came downstairs and I saw, oh, he fixed the food, but he didn't clean up after himself. So, so we had quite a job um, doing that. But honey, thank you. <laughs> I still feel the love from those meals. Um, so that was really great. And, and I, but I just think about how you go from being just the two of you or being alone, and, and then, then you're like there's this one who insists on waking up in the night and waking you up when you just get to sleep and the demands and it getting your sleep interrupted takes supernatural grace and strength and I just remember getting so I just couldn't believe it and of course I'm one that hears very well in the nighttime too and so any little peep he'd make, I would just jump up. And, and so I probably overtrained the baby to just peep a lot in the nighttime. And then I would get up and take care of him. And I was just uh, so worn out that I remember one night when, when, when he started crying and I went in there and I thought, I now know why mothers who don't have Jesus on the inside to help them can just their babies. I, and I thought, oh God, grant. And I started praying for mothers everywhere that God would give grace to mothers that don't even know to ask for it because they need it. We need help. Um, mommying can be quite a, a job. And this commitment is, is, is going to take all of our energy and, and it does inspire us and motivate us to to grow. I mean, the opportunities to grow. And as we just think, you know, we can go back and do this much better. We made so many mistakes. And we now have the privilege, honor, uh, the trouble of having four children who are preachers and who now get to use us as examples <laughs> for <laughs> the mistakes we made. <laughs> they can tell stories about us. I remember when uh, Daniel filled out his form to go to Bible school in Sydney, Australia, and it asked, what is your ministry experience? And he's, you know, 17, 18, and he looked, well, I've been, I've been sermon illustration material for 18 years. <laughs> and so now we get to be uh, sermon illustrations, the, the good, bad, and the ugly, in, in their messages. And... Um, I want to just show you some, um, I wanted to share some of the questions and children's answers that they give. And if you have this video, this one is of my niece asking her uh, littlest one. Mm. 
something. If the devil were to say, I'm gonna get you, what would you tell him? <laughs> really? And what else would you tell him? Uh huh. And then what would you do? <laughs> oh, is that that great? I love it. They start out pretty smart. Okay, here's some second grader school children's answer to why did God make mothers? Well, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Why did God make mothers? Oh, mostly to clean the house. Uh, to help us out of there when we were getting born. Pretty smart. And how did God make mothers? Magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. What ingredients are mothers made of? God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. Why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? We're related. Well, God knew she likes me a lot more than other people's moms like me. What kind of a little girl do you think your mom was? Oh, my mom has always been my mom and none of that other stuff. Well, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be pretty bossy. They say she used to be nice. <laughs> what did mom need to know about dad before she married him? Does he make at least $800 a year? Did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? That was a good one. Any singles in here, you probably, before you even marry them, you should ask, did you say yes to chores? Okay. Um, why did your mom marry your dad? Well, my grandma says mom didn't have her thinking cap on. <laughs> oh, it takes a few years for mother-in-laws to see the wonderful things in their son-in-laws, or their son, let's see it. What's the difference between moms and dads? Well, dads are taller and stronger, but moms have all the real power because that's who you got to ask if you want to sleep over at your friends. <laughs> well, moms have magic. They make you feel better without medicine. What does your mom do in her spare time? Mothers don't do spare time. <laughs> what would it take to make your mom perfect? Diet, you know, her hair. I'd diet maybe blue. If you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? Well, she has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that. Uh, I'd make my mom smarter, then she would know it was my sister who did it, not me. I'd like for her to get rid of those invisible eyes on the back of her head. <laughs> uh, seriously, uh, besides bringing us lots of moments of laughter and... I should insert here, write these things down. Every one of you moms, young moms especially, you think, oh, I'll, for, I'll remember this forever. But you should write them down. Because we started our family in Mexico and we communicated through snail mail, and Dwayne traveled a lot in the mountains, and so when anything funny and cute that the kids would do, for me to pass it on either to Dwayne or to my, my folks, I would write it down. I had a whole box full of napkins and other things that I would write things on, uh, funny things that the kids said, like 
like Joshua, before he really understood what bleeding was, he came in the door and he goes, Mommy, I'm painting red. He was bleeding. He'd cut his finger, but he didn't know how to describe it. That doesn't stop him from talking and trying. And uh, yeah, Daniel, I remember uh, he was around five-year-old, I guess, and Samuel came in, um, was listening, I guess, when, when Daniel was on the telephone, and Daniel, I heard him scream, Mom, make Samuel stop gumdropping. And Samuel, he's real smugly grinning like, I am not gumdropping. And, and uh, Daniel goes, yes, he is. He's gumdropping. Well, he meant eavesdropping, of course. But, you know, they, that doesn't stop him from trying to get the point across. Um, and so, you know, a lot of these kids, I love the laughter part of life. I love being thankful for them. And if you laugh a lot at some of these things, if you look at the funny in life and can, can uh, be joyful about it, even, even some of the things that you could take offense or you could just laugh and you could just enjoy the, the, the growth that they're not what they're going to be, but they're certainly not what they were before, but they're on their way. That's what God thinks of us. He says, you know, that he is at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and the good work he started in us. He is going to bring it to completion. What does that mean? That means you're not finished work yet. And to have that same perspective as a mom of that knowing and seeing that, you know what? My kid just sassed me and said these things. And, but you know what? He's not a finished work yet. And it's not only me that's not done correcting and training, but it, the Word of God says children of the righteous are taught by the Lord. So God, I know you're, you're, you're still at work in his heart. You're uh, changing him from glory to glory. And I'm going to agree that you are delivering him from evil, that you're putting in his heart a desire to know and love and serve and please you every day of his life. And you won't quit. And I won't quit praying and agreeing with your work in his life. And instead of taking offense like, oh, poor me, my child has said something cruel to me and it has hurt me. And now I'm wounded for the rest of my life. I'm like, no, you know what? I'm not going to take offense. I love the word of God, and I believe what he says about me. In fact, let's see if I can say it. I haven't said this for a long time, but um, when I was a little girl, you know, they sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me, which isn't really true. But we used to say that when I was little. So I changed it when I taught it to my kids. Let's see if I can remember. Sticks and stones may break bones, and words can hurt. It's true. But I can choose with whom to agree. So I choose God, not you. Amen? And as a mom, I need to remember that too, that, you know what? I can choose what words I allow to penetrate my heart. And right now, my child is being rebellious and and trying to be cruel. I mean, just the flesh wants to strike out and be mad sometimes. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to let it get under my skin. I'm not going to take it hard. I'm going to just keep on believing God. Um, You know, we are responsible for our reactions. We cannot always force and make our husbands, our kids, other people to act and react and treat us like we want. I mean, this is wonderful to have this day where we celebrate and people just um, appreciate the mothers 
and the sacrifices that go on. It's really wonderful. But, but um, we can't demand that all, every day of their lives. And um, we need to just know that we can be responsible for our reactions and rely on God's grace, rely on him to equip us with what we need to respond in a way that, that brings um, the environment of the presence of God in our homes. I think that's just huge. Is, is as moms, we have the opportunity to um, fill our homes with joy, with peace, with the presence of God. And that, that's going to mean that we want to avoid all of the things that would block the Spirit of God from moving in our lives. And one of the things that blocks is unforgiveness, um, complaining, ooh, um, gossip, anger. There are certain things that, that would, would make our environment not a healthy one. And uh, since we know that we parent, we will parent them out of our hearts, um, whether it, it, we're going to parent out of a place of brokenness and lack, or we can parent out of a place of wholeness and well-being, we need a heart cleansing and, and a, a healing in our heart and a filling in our hearts. Um, and I just want to address right now that the world has so much false, uh, not, not, the world is trying to pressure and push us to think like they think, or think like the devil wants us to think, actually, rather than how our God and creator wants us to think. God created you women to be nurturers, to be um, encouragers, to be teachers, to love and to cherish. And uh, actually, whether you're a mom or a not a mom, God puts that in us to, to be able to communicate. And, and he wants that because he wants to communicate his love and his, his um, encouragement. And he wants to pour it out through us. And so we can yes, say yes to that. And we need to replace the world's perspective. And let's just start with the world's perspective of our children. The world's perspective that babies are a burden, that they're going to mess up your life, that, that you just have to endure them until you can get rid of them, and then you can just go on and do your life, or they're going to interrupt your career or, your, or this. Kids are going to interrupt things, but um, when they think that babies... Um, are just a trouble, that they're just something that you can, you can choose to have sex or not. But when it comes to having a baby, God is the one that places life in the womb. And I, I love the way it says in Psalm 139, you created my, <laughs> my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And in Psalm 119, it says, Your hands made me and formed me. God pays attention and he knows. And um, I just want to, I heard this term in one of a laws that um, one of the states was trying to make concerning abortion. And it was, it was the word... Um, 
perinatal. Okay, we say prenatal all the time in that, but because you go to the doctor for cares, but the perinatal, and the definition of that is actually, oh, I just had that. It's actually, anybody, someone's going to shout it out here because they know it. It's the care, it's from the beginning of pregnancy to a month after the baby's born. That's called the perinatal time. So when a baby is 30 days old, it it covers all that amount of time. Um, And so when we hear some of these terms put down in, in some of the laws and things that, that um, are presented, the acts like to um, protect the choice of the mother or father, to have the choice of stopping the life of the child all through the perinatal time, it is talking about up to 30 days old, like after birth. And so they can cover that up with all the other good points of, of what they're trying to, to do with, you know, we just want to protect people from uh, legal repercussions if they lose their baby under whatever tragic situation happens to them. But we just need to know that it is the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God came to bring life and life abundantly. And God loves life. And he loves the life that he has put in your womb. And for those that have lost a baby, he loves you. He loves that child. He has that child in his arms and his hands. And it is precious to him. And he loves he loves even you who, who made a decision in a dark, dark time of your life to, to um, and you were pressured to end that, the baby's life through an abortion or anything. God loves you. And, and uh, he forgives and he heals. And the only way we're going to find forgiveness and healing and is through Jesus. It's through the blood of Jesus. And, and we need that. We need that. We want you to know you are loved. You are loved. We embrace you. And we, we know that um, God is sufficient. Um, and we don't hold anybody's past against them. You know why the God calls sin, sin? You know why the Ten Commandments and he says, don't steal, don't kill, don't do these things? It's not because God just thought he ought to have a few rules to make something bad so that he could spank us and get mad at us or stop us. It's because those are, those are things that bring destruction. And God loves you and I so much that he doesn't want us to participate in and, and be a part in things that open the door to, to trouble and destruction in our lives. And God loves you so much. That's, that's why... Um, that's why he wants to equip you with the good things to do his will and to do what's right. Um, the, the, wow, the time is racing on. In Proverbs 14, verse 1, it says, The wise woman builds her house. Okay. I skipped a verse here that I just wanted to say because it's really important when we were talking about um, the 
perinatal and the pregnancy um, time is that from Proverbs 31, 8 to 9, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. In the New King James, it says, Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, plead the cause of the poor and needy. And so I just feel like that's our calling, that it's good and it's right. He doesn't say condemn people, but he does say speak up for those that can't speak up. And so praise God for everyone who is speaking up for, for life and life. And, and there's no pressure... There's no pressure, but the, the, the life in the womb is, is opportunities. We do not have to play and be God. Like, you know what? I think there's this many people in the world, and probably there's not going to be enough supply for this, so we probably need to have less babies so that, hey, God can take care of the provisions for the babies. He made the world and everything in it with more than sufficiency for all the lives that he puts on it. And so we can trust him in that way. There, I got totally off on that. Okay, so when talking about the, the wise woman builds her house, and we sang that build your church, build your church, and I love that from the ground up. And, and I thought that's so wonderful that um, about seeing the Bible, seeing God build, build the church and build, and a woman builds the family. The woman can build her home. And, and how do we build? We build out of what's in our heart. So how important it is that we fill our, word, our heart with the Word of God. That's where we'll find wisdom. That's where we'll find direction. That's where we find instruction. That's where we find correction. And actually, that's where we find a lot of joyful fun. I'll, I'll show you. Here's some of the fun that you can find in the Word. I love this. Okay, if um, I found that men ought to wash dishes. In 2 Kings 21, 13, of course I showed this to my husband, I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. So he's supposed to dry the dishes. And um, then, in case you didn't know, there's the price of cars. In Psalm 68, 17, it says the chariots of God are 20,000. So I think that's the limit on how much cars should cost. Okay, and then um, I don't think God uses breath mints. It says the breath of the Lord is like a stream of brimstone. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I find joy in a lot of things. And, and so you, you can be reading the Bible and... I even came across this, um, this recommendation for what brand of underwear men should wear. Seriously, in Isaiah 30, verse 4, it says, their envoys, their ambassadors, have arrived in Hanes. <laughs> and then God will help us girls wear high heels. It says, the Lord God is my strength, and he will make me walk on my high heels. Okay, and then, all right, I don't know if I should say this one in church, but I think, I think they must have eaten a lot of beans in Bible times because it says, we have, as it were, brought forth wind. <laughs> and, then, and then this one, 
We really ought to repent for eating bananas and oranges because the Bible says what God has put together, let no man tear asunder. So anyway, I find that the word of God is full of advice and counsel and just laughter too. We can find things to laugh. Those are some fun things that we can, we can get. Actually, here's another good one. I told my husband, because you know he, he always thought I made him hot at nighttime, I found a verse that he has to cuddle with me. Some of you might need this. Um, in Jeremiah 31, 22, it says, the Lord will create a new thing on the earth. A woman will surround a man. So I said, it's, it's biblical for me to wrap my arms and legs over you at nighttime for you to heat me. And then in verse five, to cherish me, in the verse in Ephesians 5, the word cherish actually means to brood over her like a hen over her chicks who tucks them under her wing to protect. And it said, keep him warm. I found that in the concordance. Keep, keep her warm. That's biblical. You got to keep her warm. Guys, yes. So you may be hot-blooded, she may be cold, but you got to keep her warm. So you put the fan on his side of the bed so it blows cold air on him, and then, then he can take care of keeping you warm. Okay, that's nothing to do with being a mom, but you won't be a mom if he doesn't keep you warm. <laughs> oh, dear. I think my husband's over there going like this. I think we're about down. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that was all introduction, and I never even got to my points. <laughs> okay, am I really done already? All right. So um, we're going to be builders. We're going to build, and we can't build without a personal foundation, and we kind of talked about that. You know, it comes out of our hearts. Um, Whatever you are touched with will end up being what God touches others with through you. And God can only be as real to others as he is in you. And so that invitation to God become more and more real to me, um, that I can just know you better. I love this word, and I have it in the front of my Bible um, it's not this one, but another one. Smith Wigglesworth said, be so full of the spirit of God and the word of God that when others press you against the wall and the, and the, the pressures get on you of life, that what oozes out of you will be the spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And I just love that picture of being pressured and pushed and and instead of the enemy causing me to try to overcome evil with good, what will come out of me will be blessing and joy and peace and intercession for those that are treating me wrong. It says the way to conquer evil, the way to conquer those things is with good. So when we realize that and the enemy tempts you to conquer yelling with yelling and anger with anger, you can just say, nope, I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to intercede for these people. I'm going to ask God for what will bring his 
him into, onto the scene and his deliverance. Okay, here's a great scripture to write on your refrigerator and your mirror and everywhere. Proverbs 21, 23. He who guards his mouth and keeps his tongue and his, and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. So one of the things that you, you guard and your mouth is going to overflow is from your mouth, is from what your mouth, your heart is filled with. Um, and again, I said something about sin, you know, how destructive it is and that God loves you enough to want to uh, keep us from that which destroys. And we need to realize that the devil does gain access through ignorance and sin, anger, strife. And I'm saying uh, there's a lot of moms who would just love their children. We just love our children and we're gentle and we're, we want to be there for them and we want to um, protect them. And then we turn around and we just dishonor the man of the house, and our husband, and, and we, we chop him down and we say all kinds of, we spew garbage and then expect our home to smell sweet. And, and yet, whether it's towards our children or our husbands, when we vent anger, when we vent, um, when we vent poop out of our mouths, it's going to smell up the house. You know, we just need to know we can't have garbage and let, and without everything in our lives stinking. You can't keep that stuff in your pocket and expect for um, there to be a sweet aroma around you. And some of you might wonder, why on earth don't my kids come to me and love and, and appreciate me like somebody's appreciating their mom? You know, is it because you have something in your pocket that's been stinky for a lot of years and you need to let go of it? It didn't benefit you and it's not benefiting you. And I just feel right now that there is just this call of God is telling you he loves you so much. He wants you to just let go, let go. Whether anybody apologized and said, I treated you badly, I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry. Or whether they never say it, you can let go and you can just let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. Get away the stink, get away the, the, the hurt and and heal your heart. There's a lot of healing in our heart that God can't do if we refuse to let go of the hurt. You have to know that if you, we don't let go of those things, it's like hanging on to a cactus and saying, God, stop this cactus from hurting me. Oh, oh. But every time someone who tries to love you and get close to you, it's like, oh, that hurts more. And so you reject those that would try to love you. You reject those who try to reach out to you because anybody getting close to you, it reminds you of the hurt. It keeps bringing it back. You need to let go of that cactus. You need to let go of those memories of the hurt, of the things that were said or done. Let go and, and just let God bring the healing. Let God take care of it. It's okay. It's okay. I just feel like God really wants to get into your life. He wants to get into your home. He wants to bless you. John 10, 10 says, and Jesus said this, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God came that you might have life 
and all the things that pertain to life and a good life and a blessed life and, and, and a real, an eternal life. That's what Jesus came. That's what he wants you to have. That's what God wants you to have. So when you see the things that steal your children, your joy, your family, your hope, your marriage, and kill your future and destroy your eternal future, when you see those things, that's the enemy's plan for you. That's the devil's plan for you is destruction. I just, I just feel so anointed and mommy-like right now to just embrace you and tell you how much God loves you, how much God wants the very best for you, and that um, no matter what your situation and where you're at, that God's provision for you, He stands at the door of your heart, knocking. He's not demanding, but He's knocking. I stand at the door of your heart for anyone who will say yes and invite me in. I'll come in. And I'll just, and I love it. And this is in Revelation 3.20. He says, and I'll come in and sup with him. In other words, I'll have a good time with you. I'll sit down and I'll do life with you. We'll have a relation. We will have family. Jesus wants to be family with you. He wants, he's inviting you to be a part of his family. You're not alone. You are not alone. And you don't have to stay alone. You do not have to be alone. God wants to, that's why Jesus came. So he could just bring us all back together. And uh, he wants you to have life and have it to the full. Uh, so I just want you to bow your head right now. As I want to pray with you. And if there's anybody here who God's been knocking on your, the door of your heart and you've either been too busy or maybe ignorant of it or maybe you said no to him multitudes of times, but today he say, you hear him knocking again. I want to invite you to say yes and let him in. And maybe you kind of pushed him aside and, and said he, he's in my heart. You invited him in your heart. But then you just let him slip off to the side while you got busy with life. And you really need to dedicate your life back to Christ and say, come back and be the Lord of my life. I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I thank you for your love. And I thank you that you want me to be a part of your family. And you want to be a part of my life and lead and guide and, and, and use me. And so I invite you to be Lord. I invite you to be on the throne of my life. I invite you to save me and deliver me and wash me clean and white as snow from every sin that ever has been in my life before. Thank you for making me right with God and for loving me so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.